Welcome to the Dream for Others podcast. I'm Naomi Arnold, an award-winning business and life passion coach, writer, speaker, and human rights activist. This show features inspiring conversations with those who use their platform, passions, and uniqueness to make a difference in the world. If you are big-hearted, open-minded, a lifelong learner, and are on a mission to help create a better world, this is the podcast for you. Now let's get started and dream for others. Today I have Alan Crabb on the Dream for Others podcast. Alan is the co-founder and director of the crowdsourcing platform Possible. I'm really looking forward to learning how we can use Possible to help source funding for our Dream for Others projects and to talking to Alan about their recent B Corp registration. But before we get started, if you haven't heard already, I recently started a philanthropic podcast project where Dream for Others listeners are joining forces to make a difference for as little as $2 per month. We would love if you would join us at patreon.com slash dream for others. Now let's jump in and learn from Alan. Hi, Alan. Thank you for joining me on the Dream for Others podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. I'm really looking forward to talking to you because I have never dabbled with crowdfunding or with Possible or anything like that before. So I'm looking forward to being introduced to the possibilities that are out there. Yeah, well, um, I'm, I'm very keen to, to give you, the, I suppose, the, uh, the introduction. Yeah. So for those who are listening and are like me, and this is completely new to them, would you introduce us to the organization and what it is that you do? Yeah. So uh, so my name is uh, Alan Crabb. Um, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Possible. Uh, Possible is a crowdfunding platform. Uh, it was the first and the, the largest crowd, crowdfunding platform in, in Australia at the moment. Uh, we launched back in in 2010, just before I think crowdfunding even be, became a word or a concept. And um, yeah, since then we've we've pretty much grown um, to be the largest here in Australia and hosts just over we've hosted just over 13,000 uh, campaigns, um, and the majority of them I see being in Australia. So yeah, wow. And how did you end up doing this work? I I imagine it's like me and my career, I didn't know it existed when I was in high school and people were saying, what are you going to be when you grow up? How did you find yourself doing this? It's a bit of an interesting one. So like I, I suppose from a very early stage, um, I always had side projects going. Like uh, even at university, I had a side business. Even after university, uh, I was actually, we raised capital for, a, for an entrepreneurship project through university that I was um, I was lucky enough to be funded um, for the first uh, for the first six months, um, but um, that project uh, was was probably a bit too high te- technical for for my capabilities. So we went into the textile space, and um, it went sort of over my head, and uh, I ended up um, following my passion into um, IT. And um, my first job then after that was a, was a software developer, and like many software developers. Um, you always have uh, your own sort of um, side project or uh, ambition to do your own project. So I suppose even from a young age, I was always tinkering and, and trying different different things. So um, just before possible, we, we actually launched a, a platform for visual artists uh, to sell original artwork online 
and um, it quickly actually collected um, a lot of um, profiles and a lot of um, visual artists in Australia um, to to set up their their work, uh, showcase their work, and uh, promote it and sell it online. And um, that was our, I suppose, our first venture into the creative industries, but it also was our first um, project where we we set up a marketplace for um, creative people and and for people that loved uh, loved their work. And um, so we set that up back in 2008. And um, I suppose that was the time where I started following quite a lot of um, trends and a lot of um, new projects that was going on around the world and. The, the one thing that I think kept on recurring at that time was, um, especially in the creative industries, um, a way of pre-selling or selling um, items and experiences in return for the funds um, to actually put a project together. So in the visual art space, I, I first spotted it used to put on an exhibition where a group of artists were actually pre-selling um, or getting commissioned to artwork. Uh, to put on an exhibition so that they could raise enough to actually run the exhibition. And I thought this was a really awesome way to, to engage community. Um, and it also had that time aspect of things because they wanted to put on an exhibition at a certain time. So the concept sort of like um, crowdfunding like generally did come from the creative industries. And the first case of, I think, crowdfunding actually stemmed from Europe um, in the music space where musicians were actually pre-selling EPs and albums um, before they actually went to actually record them and produce them. So, um, so the concept was there, and it kept on. I remember back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, it was a recurring theme um, in the creative industries. And um, I just, I, I remember um, we we actually made a decision that uh, at one point in the in the visual art platform that we said. Do you know, this is actually more compelling for people to actually get behind um, an artist uh, and, and leveraging especially social media at the time, which was really coming of age um, in 2009, 2010. So that was really, I suppose, the instigate. That's a bit of my story, like uh, in terms of, um, I suppose, my entrepreneurial story where I had lots of failures and lots of, uh, <laughs> lots of learnings uh, before, uh, before setting up Possible. Yeah, it's always a very curvy road, isn't it? It's never a straight path, these type of oh, stories. Yeah. yeah, far from it, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear because I know a lot of creatives and musicians, there's so much money that goes into creation, like with musicians creating an EP, that, that can be a lot of money. So figuring out a way that you know the community can get behind them and help them do that is incredible. Yeah, no, I, I agree, actually. And... The, the biggest issue is that generally for creatives, especially emerging creatives, is that they don't have that capital because mm. um, they haven't the experience. Um, and this is just a way to, one, engage your community um, and the fan base and also as a way of, of raising the capital without taking a lot of the risk actually in, in producing or, or creating a work. Yes, yeah. So we, I know that we have a lot of creatives that tune into this podcast and then also people like bloggers and business owners and social enterprises, activists, people like that. And they're trying to use their platform, whether that be their community or um, audience of some sort to be of use to others, I guess, or, and, and to use those creatives gifts in a way as well to contribute to that. Have you come across in your work some people who are 
who are doing that and who are using possible as a you know and a way to do it yeah i think this sort of stems back i see to even the first projects that launched on the platform um and it's it's someone i caught up quite quite recently with so um a lady um ran a radio station called radio laji um and she she moved to um israel to to cover a radio show to showcase like palestinian and women and their stories um and have their voice um heard uh, in their in their communities and um this is one of the the, the very first um projects that, that actually launched with us um and since then like uh, we we generally have found that even the creative industries um have adopted that as as a as a way to to give back um to community and and, and society as well so um another great example is um a, a guy called peter drew um from adelaide and he first introduced um a like a hand um printed poster um to showcase i suppose multiculturalism uh, in australia and um explaining that we we are a country um the majority is are very welcoming to to refugees and, and to other cultures um and that was a pretty much a a an initiative where the community could um get behind the initiative purchase a poster and as the display that poster in a in a public space um right across australia i say so um he started with one um and uh, since then he's he's introduced i think a series of, of six different posters and generally if you're walking around the city or if you're walking around su- most of the any suburb uh, around australia you'll see these posters setting up and um so the community has backed the idea they've purchased the poster um and then they've displayed it um all around australia so we're we're talking about thousands of posters right across as a as an initiative just to to show that we are we're a welcoming society you know so there's definitely a social um definitely a social side to that and it's it's very relevant i think and timely as well so mm. wow yeah they're really good examples of people using their gifts and your platform to make a difference in some way that's amazing yeah i'm looking forward to doing a google afterwards on each of them and learning some more um, yeah what are and this would be a question that you would get asked all the time so sorry to bore you but what are some of the characteristics that those you know successful campaigns have had especially uh, when it's coming from the perspective of people who are trying to dream for others and are trying to make a difference through crowdsourcing in that way what advice would you give them to increase their likelihood of success i guess yeah there's there's quite a few success factors actually in the in a campaign um and and because crowdfunding has moved very much um into pretty much every industry there is success factors for for each use of crowdfunding whether it be for a tech product whether it be for a, a charitable fundraise um or even just a launch of a, an event for example so um there's the success factors for each of the industries but the common theme is uh, in my eyes is um having a very clear idea and the message for that idea i think that's one of the key things that i spend quite a bit of time understanding from a project or if i'm workshopping a project is to know the key thing that i see will resonate with people like what's part of the idea will people actually 
emotionally connect with. Because generally, the, the most successful campaigns or any, any campaign, actually, people need to have an emotional connection to the idea before they actually feel compelled to actually support it financially. So whether they love it, whether, whether in wonder at the idea, whether they're, they're, they're surprised, whether they, they laugh at the concept, whether they, they feel compelled like a, from a, a community perspective, you need to have some sort of a connection on a personal, on a personal basis to be successful. So just even thinking about uh, the ways that you pitch that idea, what emotional connections are you able to uh, resonate with within the audience or community? The second thing is obviously community. If you have built a community and if you have built an engaged community, it's a very powerful way to get an idea started. So getting early traction generally is, is, a, is a big success factor with crowdfunding. So if you have a community already developed, you can all, you can hopefully leverage that to get off to a good start because generally if you if you don't have them that initial circle or initial community to go out with um, it's actually very difficult to build it during a campaign because because generally you, you're with it with a campaign you have a start time and end time generally most platforms allow a maximum of 60 days so 60 days is very difficult to build a community and to run a campaign to to get people connected to actually support it yeah it sounds like that community aspect and and connection is so important so you're talking about connection through a, a community there but also through that emotional resonance that they have with your story or whatever it is that you're trying to do exactly exactly yeah so generally campaigns have there, there is a project behind it and they can provide rewards um, or incentives to to back the project, but generally there's a there's a patronage element to every campaign. So uh, patronage means that you, you're just backing the person or the the group to actually make that project happen. Mm -hmm. And you have I don't know if it's still online, but you have a free course that actually teaches people the specifics of a like the more technical aspects and choices of of a successful campaign. Do you still have that? And can you tell us a little bit about it and point us in the direction for those who want to learn more about doing it and doing it right? Yeah. So um, the we've got two two resources I said. So one is um, the the possible handbook. So we go through in quite detail actually. Um, I suppose every stage of a campaign. So I suppose the idea stage, idea inception stage, right through to um, the launch um, and I suppose the early stage of a, your campaign, the mid part, um, and what, you, what the key kind of things you need to be thinking about and right up to, to finishing up and, and producing your, your rewards. Um, the handbook is one aspect. And then recently, we, we did our first crowdfunding academy, which is... Um, I suppose um, if you if you delve deep into it, it's, it's pretty much an, a massive online course, uh, like a MOOC. I don't know if you've heard the concept, but um, generally we we set up an academy and uh, we asked um, people to to sign up, go through the um, go through each of the, the steps, and answer a few of the questions as well, just to make sure that people are, are clear and, and what I suppose what it takes to be successful. So um, so there's a handbook and the the crowdfunding academy. Yeah, great. I'll include the links for those in the show notes. Excellent, excellent.
Now, on the flip side, what's what's the biggest mistakes that people make when they do these things? Is it the exact opposite of what you just said, not having a community and not having, you know, that emotional connection with the people there? Yeah, it's, it's definitely like the the opposite of the, them two things. But again, I think it's generally just planning. Um, like if you talk to anyone, even the successful projects, they will all say the same, that they, they wish that they didn't rush a launch and they spent maybe an extra few weeks on the planning so that um, they, they, they know that um, they got off to that the, the perfect start um, and know that they've engaged the right partners or the right distribution of that message with relevant, um, with relevant people or publications or even even profiles or social profiles that they can they can leverage with the campaign so um, I think generally because with a campaign you you're in constant communication with hopefully their early supporters um, and leveraging hopefully publicity and and promotion of the campaign when it's running um, you really do, don't have time to spend on maybe some of the visuals some of the social posts um, a lot of the um, engagement with partners and uh, potential sponsors, all of these things that um, is much easier planned beforehand before you actually have to do it as, as part of a campaign. So like we, we usually recommend that people run a campaign for no more than probably four weeks. So having a probably a month of planning beforehand um, is, is, is well worth it. Yeah. Sounds like it's that that's a project in itself, the planning first, then the actual you know, implementation of the campaigns and other project. Yeah. Well, I think the most successful campaigns actually it's um it's it's just a formality launching and, and running it because they've done all of the, the work beforehand. Um for the, the campaign itself is it's just really that call to action. Hmm. It makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So I'd like to now, if possible, take a little bit of a different uh, angle with the chat, and that's around those who are listening who are passionate about using their business or platform for good. I know that you there, possible outside of you know offering this platform to help people do that, that you use your own platform there as well to give back and and as a as a force for good, I guess, through financial support of charities and groups and and other work. Can you tell us a little bit about that, how it is that you use the organization for good? Yeah, so um, so even just this year, we, we became a social enterprise or a certified social enterprise uh, through B Corp. And um, which means that um, like uh, we it's, it's nearly in our constitution that we, we we're required as, as a business to to give back to community and and society and the environment so so there's there's a few different ways that we do this each year um one is is obviously supporting local charities and local organizations and not-for-profits um and generally there's a few um, organizations that we cover through that um we have um partnerships with the likes of um, bob brown foundation um and the environmental side uh, we've we've hosted campaigns uh with another cool uh, b corp certified B Corp social enterprise uh, being Patagonia. Uh, we've run initiatives with them to support um, local um, emerging um, initiatives and, and not-for-profits. Um, and we also um, are one of the founding partners of a, an initiative called 10 by 10, 
Um, so Ten by Ten Philanthropy is a quarterly um, event that's hosted in some of the major cities in Australia and internationally as well. So, and the way that it works is that um, three charities are invited to pitch um, at this event, where a hundred people um, that have donated a hundred dollars each all vote to decide which one of the charities or which charity gets their their dollars. So, so this is an initiative that we we helped partner and, and launch back in 2013. Just even just recently, we we've looked to scale this internationally. So, currently, I think there's there's four campaigns. So we're um, providing our our platform for free and, and supporting quite a few of these charities as well through that. So, um, it's I think currently we've got um, Hong Kong, London, uh, Melbourne, and uh, I think it's Adelaide are all running campaigns at the moment for this quarter's event. So. So, and we hope to, I think, scale that to maybe 22 events this year, actually. So. Ah, great. That's great. So with the B Corp um, registration, I'm actually going through that process myself at the moment. And I know there's a, you know, it's a, it's a rigorous process and you have to demonstrate that you as a business, you know, have all of these um, ethical practices and that you do give back and you are socially and environmentally conscious and and things like that so as well as um, you know putting your money in good places like we've just spoken about and supporting campaigns and things what do you what do you do there for some of those more um, I guess environmental and social practices in your business or systems what does that look like for you guys yeah, so yeah, if you're going through the process, it's, it is, I said, much more rigorous than I expected. And uh, to be honest, we, we probably should have more points than, the, than, than I expected we, we should have. So um, I think um, the, key, the key things is um, even looking at current suppliers or service providers, um, so looking at using providers that are that socially environmentally conscious as well, like even to electricity and gas and, mm. and water, all of these things. These are things that I wasn't really expecting to be considering as, <laughs> as part of this. Yeah. Um, even just to managing waste and um, recycling, what we do in recycling. Um, so these are sort of the day-to-day -day things that we can change. But um, I suppose the key thing that we we didn't really have in place is a lot of the governance as well around the team and making sure that um, the team um, we we are responsible in terms of uh, gender equality, in terms of um, um, having regular meetings about discussing these like these aspects, and then like on a regular basis, as they're reviewing what um, what's the results and and what's the outcomes of all these things as well. So that's that's just two of the things that just come to mind. But there's there's a lot it's of heaps more, yeah. <laughs> Part of the certification process, there is, like, I think uh, we did take an extra probably six months because we had to change quite a bit of things actually within the business. Yeah. And and that's the thing, once you get it too, is there's always, like, you put in that review plan and and there's always things to be improving and new targets to be aiming for. It's not like it's the, oh, I'm an ethical certified, you know, <laughs> corporation now. I can I can have that stamp and that's it. It's It's something that continues. Yeah, exactly. And and sometimes like uh like having went through the process, you can see 
like um, because it's based on points system like you can you can clearly see like if you're on a monthly basis you can see that, okay your your points are reducing on certain categories that you have to work out which ones you're increasing to to keep um that level of certification so mm. it's um it's an interesting one and that's like um as a business i i just assumed that we were doing most things right but when you go into the details it's it's actually um, it's more comprehensive than than i ever expected to be quite honest and i think it's 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 just good practice, you know. But um, it's it's being just aware, making making you more aware of 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 how you're operating and and your impact. Yeah. In the world. So. Yeah, and there's always so much more we can learn. There's so much we don't know when it comes to these things. Yeah, exactly. I think it's an excellent framework, actually. Like um, mm. I never, I, I suppose I never really appreciated it, appreciated um, the details of that framework and, until we went through the process and also getting feedback from other fellow. B Corps, mm. especially the ones that actually formed that framework. Yes, yes. So. so what originally motivated you to go down that registration path and and to continue going when you saw that it wasn't going to be a breeze? Yeah, well, it's, it's something that, like, um, as, uh, like the, the, two, the two of us, um, me and uh, my business partner with Possible, we set ourselves up um, in Melbourne, in in Hub Melbourne, which is one of the first co-working spaces here, and um, they had actually, one, I think one of the residents was the B Lab people that that actually helped with the certification process, and so we were surrounded by people that were the first people to to register. In some ways, we we thought ourselves as a social enterprise, but we never really. We never really thought, okay, do we really need to become certified to 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 be this, you know? But I think it was it was probably actually um, one of the the founders of Patagonia spoke at an event in Melbourne, and they had actually explained. Uh, I suppose their their message resonated with me is that they thought the exact same themselves, and it's only whenever they started doing a framework of it that they realised the importance of actually becoming certified and being a recognised. Um, benefit company. That's that's the one that resonated with me. So they had been in the same position. They'd helped build a framework, but they actually weren't certified themselves. And then they realized, okay, to create change and to create, to, I suppose, influence and to create momentum with this as a, as a way that it's important for them to become certified, to, to be part of that movement. So I think that was the that was the one point where I thought, okay, you know, this is actually important. It's it's much bigger than us, so I think it's it's important for us to be seen as as being a certified B Corp. Yes. To to make it more legitimate uh, and to legitimise, I suppose, social enterprise in general. Mm, so you're committed, and now you're all in. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, we're on board. But um, I think it's since we've joined, it's 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 really awesome, I see, to be in that community because to to speak to the guys um you you find you, you find people that have similar vision or similar passions mm. it, it's been interesting to to partner up with quite a few of these guys i see to do other initiatives because we all have the similar we all have the a similar um mission and vision yeah and values by the sounds of it exactly yeah yeah, yeah. so you've got a, a good little community of potential collaborators there <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's that could be uh, that could be more of a commercial reason for doing it. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a it's a very strong community, and I think it's a it's an ever growing one as well. So 
That's oh, wonderful. Well, congratulations. I know that's relatively, relatively recent that you became officially certified. And so big pat on the back to you all. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So before we finish, what's, what's next for you, for you now and for possible as you continue to move forward and help fund people's dreams? Yeah, so, well, 2007 is, is a pretty interesting year, I see, in Australia for, for crowdfunding. So um, there's been a few changes, not only from possible side, but also legislatively in, in Australia as well. So um, so this year, possible, we've, we've decided to disrupt ourselves and, and really, I suppose, open up our platform as a, as a network to facilitate pretty much other people that want to provide like niche-based platforms. Um, in partnership with Possible. So um, what I mean by that is we pretty much white label our, our whole solution to organizations or communities um, that want to actually provide specific niche uses of crowdfunding. And they can host this on, and brand it themselves and, and host their own campaigns through this. So I mentioned 10 by 10 um, uh, just a second ago, but they're, they've actually launched uh, a platform of their own using this new service. So um, it's sort of under the umbrella of a, of a possible network, but it just allows other communities to build their own um, communities within uh, for their own specific projects. So in the case of 10 by 10, it's events, but it could be for charities to use. Um, it could be like peer-to-peer -peer fundraisers for charities. It could even be just splitting fees and costs to, to get projects off the ground. So um, so that's one thing that we're doing uh, from possible side of things. So we're sort of disrupting ourselves and potentially creating competitors for ourselves. But uh, it's uh, we we think it's um, it's maybe the long term direction of, of where possible is going. And I think it's building a community of, of platforms rather than just creating a, a platform and a marketplace where we want to own it all. So so that's one one thing that we're doing on possible side of things. Uh, and we call that possible base. That's the, that's the service that we call it. And then secondly, we've got equity crowdfunding coming this year, which is pretty massive, I say, and it's something that I've been advocating for. It feels like, um, it feels like a lifetime, but it's, it's probably only three years now. But um, So it just makes um, an equity investment or uh, investment into companies or projects much more accessible. Um, so currently there's a limitation of only 20 investors in 12 months in a private company. The new rules around this and the legislation that was passed just in, at the end of March this year um, is um, they're, they're making the, no limitation on the numbers, but they're making a limitation on the amount of investment, which is, which is a big deal, actually. And it'll, it'll mean a lot of potentially consumer businesses can leverage crowdfunding to, to raise capital um, and investment from their own communities. That's a, it's pretty massive, and I, I can see that coming in probably in uh, November 2017. So. Okay. Well, we'll stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pretty excited. So it sounds like you're not going to remain stagnant. You're going to keep evolving and doing exciting things and coming up with new ways for, for people to do this work. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I'm a tech guy, so yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. A, it's, a, it's in my nature. Yeah. It's in the blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, for those who are listening, they can find you at possible.com, which is P-O-Z-I-B-L-E.com. And I'll include the links in the show notes to all of the things that we mentioned today, the specific groups and resources, and of course, your platform. 
But otherwise, thank you so much for taking time to share that with us today, Ellen. I've got so much to go and learn more about afterwards. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Dream for Others podcast. If you want to connect with like-minded people who are passionate about using their platform, passions and uniqueness for social good, head on over to Facebook and search for our private group called the Dream for Others community. For episode notes, further inspiration and access to my award-nominated free resources, please visit naomiarnold.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd appreciate if you'd please subscribe, leave a review in iTunes and share it wide and far. Let's continue to dream for others and I'll talk to you soon.